we here this morning are going to be wrapping up a series that we've been in over these last several weeks where we've been looking into these two books of wisdom literature, the book of Proverbs and the book of Ecclesiastes. Each of these books being written by King Solomon. And today, as we wrap this series up, I want to look at this choosing wisdom and the fact that wisdom commits. That wisdom, there is a commitment that is required of us. We've been looking at the thread of of wisdom that is woven throughout these, these books and how it speaks of wisdom and really wisdom itself is portrayed in a manner, especially in the book of Proverbs, in this manner is personified as a woman of great wisdom. And uh, it's, it's taught even in uh, the book of Ecclesiastes from the teacher. And we see wisdom, though, the source of which is from God. That God is the source of wisdom that we want to commit ourselves to, that Really, wisdom could be, um, it can be defined in so many ways. There's worldly wisdom. There's wisdom that we can have of our own selves. But the wisdom that is above all of that is godly wisdom. And that's the wisdom that it is before even there was a beginning to things. And it's through that wisdom that it says that the earth was created and the universe was created. Everything came into existence was through the wisdom of God. But I want to turn here in the book of Proverbs, chapter 16, verse 3. And we're going to be scripture heavy today. So we may be flipping back and forth to different passages. But in Proverbs, chapter 16, verse 3, it tells us to commit thy works unto the Lord. And thy thoughts shall be established. To commit your actions, your works That everything that you do, it says, commit it to the Lord. Be committed to what God has asked you to do. Be be committed to the call of God, to the wisdom of God. And he says, then your thoughts will be established or your ways will be prosperous. Everything that you do from that day forward, as long as you remain committed to God, you will see uh, the uh, you will see God's hand at work in whatever you do. I want to look at these uh, these different paths that uh, that Scripture speaks of. These different paths that one might take in life, and and I was in fact yesterday we um, it was such a, a beautiful fall day, a little bit crisp in the air, but. Uh, but it's not like today where it's all rainy and dreary outside. And, and so we decided we wanted to get out of the house a little bit. And uh, we all, my family, we went and uh, went over to uh, Gene Stratton Porter, the state historic, historic site that's close by here. And they have some beautiful woods and trails that we just began to walk through. And, and we were walking through these trails and we, we got to a couple points where I turned to my kids and I asked them, do you want to go? To the, to the left, or do you want to go to the right? And we had to make some choices about which path we wanted to go down. And, and, uh, we, uh, we ended up 
I think, if, if my, my mind serves right, we took the left path every time, which, according to this scripture here, uh, that's not the right path to take. But it did get us to where we needed to go. So I think we were okay in that sense. But in Ecclesiastes chapter 10, verse 2, it's in the New Living Translation. It says it this way, that a wise person chooses the right road, the right path. And, and a fool takes the wrong one. If you read that in, uh, in the King James, it'll talk about the right hand and the left hand. That there is a right path and a left path. But... This year, it talks about the right road and the wrong road. A wise person will choose the right path. A fool will take the wrong path. There are two paths that you might go down. There's two paths that are presented to you. It's not just at one point in your life, but at so many times, perhaps even on a daily basis, you, you really have to make that choice. Which path am I going to follow today? Proverbs chapter 14, it tells us that those who follow the right path fear the Lord, and those who take the wrong path despise Him. So which path will you take? The ones who choose the right path will fear the Lord. Those who take the wrong path, there is a um, there is something that is to be said about that. Beyond just their words, but by their actions, when they take the path that leads them away from the wisdom of God, when it is leaning on their own understanding, when it's going down the path that's going to lead to destruction, it says that you despise the wisdom of God. You despise even God himself when you choose to go down the wrong path. Jeremiah He puts it this way when he's speaking to the children of Israel as they are in this pivotal moment in their life as as a country. They were in this pivotal moment and and they were they had walked down this path of destruction for quite some time. They they knew what it what was set before them of, of what they ought to do, which was to serve God, to keep his commandments. And instead they began to worship all these idols and to do all this other kind of destructive behavior. And Jeremiah and his warning to them about this coming destruction that will, if they continue down that path, he said, I set before you the way of life and the way of death. You choose. Which path do you want to go down? One path is a path that will lead you to everlasting life. The other path is the way of death and destruction. Which path do you want to go down? Now, when you put it that way, it seems like an obvious choice. When you have the end in mind, and that's the only thing that you have in mind, it seems like an obvious choice that I want to go down the way that will lead to life. But yet, we see in life and we see from uh, from scripture that it it even it tells us that most will in fact choose the way of death why is that i want to turn to matthew chapter 7 and jesus is here he's wrapping up his sermon on the mount and he makes these statements here towards the end of this sermon in matthew chapter 7 verse 13 turn there 
He says, enter ye in at the straight gate. For wide is the gate, and broad is the way that leadeth to destruction, and many there be which go in thereat. The broad path. This path is an easy path. It's a path where there is no commitment that's necessary, that you don't have to be committed to God. It says, in fact, that there will be some that they will even uh, they'll even come to the end of their life and they'll, they'll be knocking at the door and saying, God, let us in. We're here. We're ready to, we're ready to come in. I've, uh, and, and in fact, I've, I've even called on your name. I've even cast out devils in your name. I've prayed, prayed with people in your name. I've, and, and he says, I never knew you. See, there are some that, that even in following God, that he's saying that, you didn't take the path of commitment, the path of, of discipleship, the path where as a disciple, you must be committed wholeheartedly. You must be in everything that you have it must be given to me. It's not an easy path. It's not a path that you jump off of and jump back onto all the time. It's a path of commitment, but broad is the path. Wide is the way that's going to lead to destruction. And most are going to go down that path because it's an easy path. It's a path that doesn't require the commitment from us. It's alluring. This path, it pleases your flesh. There will be plenty of times along this path where you will say, I've got it good. Life is good. I feel Great. I feel so, uh, so good about where my life is at right now because the path that is broad, it will be pleasing to your flesh. You will have many times where you sit back and you, you say, wow, I have it made living this way. I'm not bound by anything. I'm, I'm free to do whatever I want. It pleases your flesh. To go down the broad path. You will have one opportunity after another to, uh, to, to go after things that will make you happy. But in the end, what is really going to matter? Now, I'm not to say that, that the path of, of life, the narrow path, is not one that is, is going to be a fulfilling life. Because I believe that you can live fulfilled and joyful and and, and have a much better life going down the narrow path. But, but there will be, that's not to say that, that you, uh, that some might not enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season. And in the pleasures of sin for a season, that the thing is that it's a season and that that will come to an end. And we will find that the end thereof, the end of the broad path is one that led to destruction. And so, the broad path is one that's alluring. It's going to please your flesh. The broad path, it's popular. It's the one that the crowd is going down. Most people will go down the broad path. Most people are going to take this path. And, and it's not the path that the Lord set before us, but rather it's the path that leads to death. Proverbs 14, verse 12 says that there is a path 
before each person that seems right, but it ends in death. There's a way that seems right to us. In our, in our eyes, it seems like it's the right path. We can justify all the reasons why going down this path is right, but is it the broad path or is it the narrow path? What is the end of that path? Now, the, the second path that you might choose is as described in Matthew chapter 7, verse 14. It says, straight is the gate and narrow is the way that which leadeth unto life. And few there be that find it. Now this path is restrictive. This path requires commitment. This path is one where Jesus, he said, if you want to be my disciple, then you're going to have to love me more than you love your family, more than you love your career, more than you love anything in life. You're going to be more, you're going to have to be more committed to me than anything. You're going to have to be willing to walk away from everything in order to follow me. Full commitment is what is required of going down the narrow path. It's restrictive in that manner. There are things that are required of us in in order to go down the path that will lead to life. This path, it's not one that's necessarily alluring uh, because trials and tribulations are to be expected. There's going to be difficulties that will arise. There will be, be things that happen that you will say, is it worth it? But in the end, you will know it's worth it. It's worth it to follow the narrow path, to go down the path that leads to everlasting life. This path, it's unpopular. Few will remain on this path to the end. Few are going to stay there. It's as uh, Jesus, Jesus also described. He says, in the last days, it'll be like the days of Noah. When Noah, he was there and he was preaching, he's telling everybody, get in the ark, get in the ark, get in the ark. One day after another, he's telling them, get in the ark, it's going to rain. And then when the rain finally comes, the door shuts and you have people banging on the door of the ark saying, let me in. And he says, it's too late. God shut the door. There's going to be, he, he, in, in Jesus, he says, there were few that made it then. It's going to be just like it was in the days of Sodom and Gomorrah. That there will be few. In fact, the question is even asked uh, during this um, this passage when Jesus is, is speaking this. They they uh, the question is asked of the crowd. They say, "Are you telling us that there's only going to be a few who make it? Are you telling us that there's only going to be a few that will be saved?" And Jesus, he says, "Narrow is the gate. Narrow is the way that leads to everlasting life. Few." There will be that, that remain on the path to the end. It's, it's not going to be the most popular path, but I'm telling you, it's going to be worth it. It's going to be worth it. In 2 Corinthians, in fact, I want to read this. It's a, uh, this passage here in uh, chapter 4, verses 7 through 18. We see the trials and the tribulations, these things that uh, Paul, he faced as as the apostle of Jesus Christ. And, and he describes 
what it's like for him to walk through this path, to go down this, this journey with Jesus and to, to walk along the narrow path. Second uh, Corinthians 4, verse 7. It says, we have this treasure that's in earthen vessels, that the excellency of the power may be of God and not of us. This, this thing that, that, we, that we hold, the treasure... What is this treasure? He's talking about the wisdom of God. He's talking about the, uh, the very things that God, uh, God had entrusted him with. And, and he says, we are carrying this along this path. We as earthen vessels, we have this treasure which is to be full of the power of God. We are troubled on every side, yet not distressed. We are perplexed, but not in despair. We're persecuted, but we are not forsaken. Cast down, but not destroyed. Always bearing about in the body the dying of the Lord Jesus. That the life also of Jesus might be made manifest in our body. For we which live are always delivered unto death for Jesus' sake. That the life of also of Jesus might be made manifest in our mortal flesh. So then death worketh in us, but life in you. We have the same spirit of faith. According as it is written, I believed and therefore have I spoken. We also believe and therefore speak. Knowing that he which raised up the Lord Jesus shall raise up us also by Jesus. And he shall present us with you. For all things are for your sakes, that the abundant grace might, through the thanksgiving of many, rebound to the glory of God. For we which cause, or for which cause we faint not, but through our outward man perish, yet yet the inward man is renewed day by day. Verse 17, our light affliction, which is but for a moment, worketh for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. If we can get that perspective. And think of the things that Paul went through. And yet he calls it a light affliction. This light affliction, which is but for a moment, it works for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. And while we look not at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporal, but the things which are not seen are eternal. Let's keep that perspective as we walk down the narrow path. As we walk down the path that is committed to the, to the calling of God. That this is just a light affliction. That there are tests and there's trials that are going to come our way, but it's a light affliction in comparison to the glory that we are going to be able to, to experience. It's a light affliction that is but temporary. It's just a, for a short moment, but it's working for us. All of this is working for us a great, a great reward that's going to be waiting for us in heaven. See, it's worth it. It's worth it. It's worth it. I believe it. No matter what you're going through today, it's worth it. Keep on going. Keep on walking down the narrow path. 
Keep on fighting. Keep on listening to the wisdom of God and not leaning on your own wisdom and your own understanding. In fact, today, if you if you say, you know, if this path, it's, uh, you know, it's so narrow and, and those who who, uh, you know, are trying to, to find it, you know, does that mean that that it's so complicated to, to follow after God? It's not it's not the, the fact that few are going to make it because it's so difficult to do, but rather it's simplistic. Following the narrow path is it's easy. Anybody can do it. It's not easy in the manner that it's it's uh, you know it's going to require a total commitment, but it's simplistic in its nature. In First Corinthians chapter two, First Corinthians chapter two, we have the same man Paul, who was probably the most studied, uh, most educated individual to write, uh, you know, perhaps outside of Daniel, but the most educated man to write uh, our, our scriptures for us. And he had all this, this training and all of this study that uh, that he had had from the world and his time growing up as a uh, as learning at the feet of Gamaliel. And and yet here he says in second or first Corinthians chapter two, he says, I, brethren, when I came to you, I came not with a excellency of speech or of wisdom, declaring unto you the testimony of God. For I determined not to know anything among you save Jesus Christ and Him crucified. That's as simplistic as it gets. If you want to know what it takes to follow the wisdom of God and to commit to the path that is going to lead to life, Paul says it right here. Just determine in yourself to follow after Jesus, to know Him, to know Him and Him crucified. What He did for us on the cross, that He gave Himself for our sins. It's as easy as that. Follow after Jesus. Take what Jesus did, how He lived His life, and let's pursue that for ourselves. Abide in Jesus Christ. He said, I, I took all this learning that I did, and He says, I didn't bring this to you, but in, instead, I came to you with a simple message, which is that you would know Jesus Christ and Him crucified. He said, I was with you in weakness and in fear and in much trembling. My speech and my preaching was not with enticing words of man's wisdom, but it was in the demonstration of the spirit and of power. Now he says, when I forsook all of my wisdom and all, all of the man's wisdom, the stuff that I got from my higher learning, when I forsook all of that and I just leaned up upon the spirit which I have in me, he says, I found that I was doing a much better job at leading you and even myself being led in life. Just Let's just set all this other stuff aside. It's not to say that, that we can't pursue education. It's not to say that you, it's, it's not a good thing to, uh, to, to study and to be learned, but, but let's set all of that aside if it's getting in the way of us pursuing Jesus Christ. That is first and foremost. And when we do that, then you can be assured that you will operate in the demonstration of the Spirit and in power. That the Spirit of God will lead you. This the wise path is a path that is pursuing Jesus Christ. And it's following the leading of the Holy Spirit. 
That's the wise path. He continues on here. Verse 5, that your faith should not stand in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. How be it? We speak wisdom among them that are perfect, yet not the wisdom of this world, nor of the princes of this world that come to naught. But we speak the wisdom of God in a mystery, even the hidden wisdom which God ordained before the world unto our glory, saying that as we follow the Spirit, it doesn't mean that the whole big picture always becomes clear. Sometimes it still remains a mystery. Sometimes it's just walking by faith, the mystery of God. But we are going to speak the wisdom of God. We're going to trust that what God has for us, that that is a perfect way, a perfect path. It says, which none of the princes of this world knew. For had they known it, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. It says, the wisdom of God, it was hidden even from the spiritual princes of this world. And they crucified Jesus Christ thinking that they were going to cut off the opportunity for salvation to happen. And in fact, by doing so, they made it possible for salvation to take place. It was through the wisdom of God that he allowed these things to take place. He says, but as it is written, I have not seen nor ear heard Neither has entered into the heart of man the things which God has prepared for them that love him. But God has revealed them unto us by his spirit. For the spirit searcheth all things, yea, the deep things of God. Lean into the spirit. Be led of the spirit as you're going down this path, as you're committing yourself to the wisdom of God. And continue to pursue the, uh, the things of the spirit. It says, for what man knoweth the things of a man, save the spirit of man which is in him? Even so, the things of God knoweth no man but the spirit of God. God knows our, our life and, and what we need better than we even know ourselves. Verse 12, now we have received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit which is of God, that we might know the things that are freely given to us of God, which things also we speak. Not in the words which man's wisdom teacheth, but which the Holy Ghost teacheth. Comparing spiritual things with spiritual. But the natural man receiveth not the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness unto him. Neither can he know them, because they are spiritually discerned. But he that is spiritual judgeth all things, yet he himself is judged of no man. For who hath known the mind of the Lord that he may instruct him? But we have the mind of Christ. This is what it takes to follow the wise path. Follow after Jesus. Pursue Jesus. Preach Jesus. Speak Jesus. Live Jesus. Live out his example. Live out his words. Get into the word of God and let the wisdom of God lead you. He says, don't, don't depend on your own wisdom. Don't depend on man's wisdom. Don't, don't depend on all of these other things that, uh, that we think are going to make our life better. If it goes against the word of God, then it's not good for you. It's leading you down a path of destruction. And the only way, the only way that you're going to know if it goes against the word of God is if you get yourself into the word of God. 
If you dive into the word and you say, God, I need you to speak to me. This is the word of God speaking to you. When you ask for a word from God, just open up the book. It's there for you. Now, if you need you need some understanding or you need that, go to him in prayer. Speak. He'll speak to you. He will make his word plain. God, he will give you the instruction that you need. He will lead you down the path that you need to go down. It's as simple as that. Now, as we look at these paths, it's it takes wisdom to commit to the path or wisdom would lead you to a commitment to one or the other. That we must commit to choosing God's way. I don't have this scripture in here, but it just came to mind of in, in Revelation where it speaks of, uh, he says, I'd rather you be hot or cold. If you're lukewarm, I'm going to spit you out of my mouth. Choose. Which one, which one are you going to be? I want you to commit. I'm asking you, you to commit to the way. Proverbs chapter 16, verse 3, it says, Commit your actions to the Lord and your plans will succeed. Commit yourself to God. Commit to the, to the wise path. 1 Kings chapter 8, verse 61, says, Let your heart therefore be loyal to the Lord our God. Walk in His statutes. Keep His commandments as at this day. Be loyal to the Lord. Be committed to God. Be committed to the wisdom of God. See, a choice is required. Is it going to be God's wisdom? Or is it going to be the the world's wisdom that you will determine the path of your life? Is it going to be God's ways? Or is it going to be your ways? It requires a choice. It requires commitment. Now, commitment requires trust. As we commit ourselves to God, there will be times when we just have to walk by faith or we have to trust in Him. It says in Psalm chapter 37, to commit thy way unto the Lord and trust also in Him. And He shall bring it to pass. When you commit yourself to God, you must trust in God. It says, trust in the Lord with all thine heart. Lean not to thine own understanding. See, we got to trust that God sees the bigger picture. I, uh, I've been there before where I, where I just get anxious because I don't see the bigger picture unfolding. And, and I see things that are happening and it seems to be taking me down paths that, that I, I don't understand why it's happening this way. But God, He sees the bigger picture and I have to trust that even when I don't understand why things are taking place the way that they are, that God, He knows best. And I'm just going to stay connected to him and look at the moment, at the present moment right now and say, God, direct my steps, direct my steps. I need to take your word and let it be a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. Right? I want to open this up and it doesn't say that it's going to shine a, a bright beam of light out towards, you know, miles and miles to, down the road, but it's a lamp unto my feet and it's a light unto my path. It will show me. What I must do. It will teach me his ways. It will teach me to trust. As we trust that God sees the bigger picture. In Genesis chapter 50. I, my mind just went to, um, to Joseph. And how Joseph at the, the end of um, 
of everything that took place, being sold as a slave and and first left for dead and sold as a slave and ended up in prison and and all of these these things that took you know the path that he went down. By the end of all of this, he was able to say, "But it's for you. You thought evil against me, but God, He meant it for good to bring." To pass as it is this day to save much people alive. Now you thought it evil against me, but God, he had another plan that was an action. And I had to walk by faith. I had to trust God. Joseph said there was, there was times that I just had to trust that God was still good, that he was a good God. I had to trust. And, and, and I looked around in my life and there wasn't much uh, there wasn't much to be said for that, but now that I look back, I realize that God meant it all for good. I trust that God sees the bigger picture. Don't turn your back to your old, or don't turn back to your old ways. When you commit yourself to the wise path, when you commit yourself to the wisdom of God and following after the wisdom of God, don't then turn back to your old ways. I know it's a it's a uh, disgusting metaphor that's used here, but it's in Scripture. Solomon, he, he says in Proverbs chapter 26, he says that as a dog returneth to his vomit, so a fool returneth to his folly. If it wasn't meant to be in you in the first place and you got rid of it, then don't turn back, don't go back to it. Don't go back to the very things that you expelled from your life. The things that the old path that you that you committed yourself to stay away from that path and you're going down the path of life. Let's commit ourselves to God. Let's not return to our old ways. In Luke chapter nine, Jesus says it this way, that no man having put his hand to the plow and looking back is fit for the kingdom of God. If you start in on the work of God, if you start down the path and then, then he says, don't don't be looking back and wishing that you had. All those things in your past. Don't be looking back, desiring all of that. Keep your face forward. Keep your eyes set on Him. Stay on the on the path that's leading to righteousness. Stay on the path that's leaning on the wisdom of God. Galatians chapter six verse nine tells us to let uh, says, "Let us not be weary in well doing, for in due season we shall reap." If we faint not. Don't be weary in well-doing. When you go down the path, don't get off on the last last few years of your life. Don't get off the path. Don't get off the path in your young years. In fact, I was reading through uh, uh, the Proverbs and, and, and Ecclesiastes. And, uh, it was in Ecclesiastes, I believe, chapter 11, where, uh, where he's speaking to the young men. He says, in your youth... Commit your ways to God. In your youth, he says, before you get frail and weak and, and you can't do the things that you wish that you could do. He says, commit your ways to him in your youth. Make sure that in that day you're able to live life to the fullest. And he doesn't mean kind of what the world means by that. Go and live life to the fullest, live it up. And But he says, uh, because the scripture that follows that, he says, but remember that... There's judgment that's going to come at the end of this, and you're going to have to account for everything that you do. So live life to the fullest in that in your youth, when you can do everything uh, for God, he says, I want you to commit yourself to him then. 
Don't turn back to your old ways. Don't be weary in well-doing. And in the end of this, if you read through Ecclesiastes, there's, there's times as I'm, I'm reading through and I'm studying this book, it's, it, it seems as though, it seems as though the, the, the preacher here, the writer, he's just saying, life doesn't matter. In fact, he comes right out and he says that life is meaningless. Sometimes life goes this way and sometimes life goes that way. Sometimes good things happen to good people. Sometimes bad things happen to good people. Good things happen to bad people. He says, just understand that not everything is going to fall perfectly in order. Just understand that in life, just because you deposit some money in the bank doesn't always mean that you get to take it all out right in your time that you want to. In fact, he gives the metaphor, it's, uh, I believe it's the beginning of Ecclesiastes 12, I could be off on that, but he gives this metaphor, he says, to cast your bread upon the water. I got studying that, and what in the world does he mean, cast your bread upon the water? And it's speaking of an, an analogy of that day when, uh, when they would send, or they would pay for goods to be shipped, or they, would, they would pay for goods that they would uh, end up getting on a shipment. Months, even years later sometimes. But they would pay for all of it in advance. Trusting that all of this is going to come. They're, they're just trusting that, that all of this is going to make it to them. But they've already paid the price. They've already paid for all of it. But they have to trust that in the end this reward is going to come. That the, in the end the, the ship it's going to come in with all their goods. They trusted God. They, they believe that in the end all of this is going to be worth it. And he comes to this conclusion at the end of all of his sayings in Ecclesiastes. It's in Ecclesiastes chapter 12, verse 13. It says, let us hear the conclusion of the whole matter. Fear God and keep his commandments. For this is the whole duty of man. For God, he shall bring every work into judgment with every secret thing, whether it be good or whether it be evil. That is the whole conclusion of the matter. That we would fear God and we would keep his commandments. That's the whole duty of man. Stay on the path. Seek the wisdom of God. Trust that God's wisdom is perfect. Trust that God's ways are perfect. Don't get off the path. Keep or Fear God and keep his commandments. As you fear God, this is... A fear in the, as in the reverence of God. Have a holy reverence for God. Maintain that in your life. Believe that God, He could call your life at any moment. That's your life. It could come to an end at any moment and you're going to have to account for the way that you've lived your life. None of us know what tomorrow's going to bring. None of us know. Tomorrow could come and we could have to stand before him as our judge. And we have to account for the way that we've lived our life. So let's fear God in the way that we live. Let's stay on the path. Let's stay committed to the wisdom of God. Let's stay committed to what God has called us to. And so also it says make, uh, or it says in the New Testament that they made him their Lord and Savior. We can look to Jesus sometimes as simply our Savior, but have you also made Him your Lord? Is He the Lord of your life? 
Can he speak to you and you listen? You follow his, his voice. Is he the Lord of your life? Can he tell you to do something that you do not want to do? And you listen and you say, yes, Lord. You are my Lord and my God. The last thing I say here is don't just admire the wisdom of God. Don't just open up the book, begin to read it and admire it and say, that's some good stuff there. Don't come and sit on a Sunday and listen to the pastor preach to you and you admire the words. And I don't know, I'm not the most eloquent of one, so I don't know why you would do that. Uh, Just come in here, just admire it. But I hope that you would go and that you would obey it. I don't want to be as the one that looks in the mirror and turns away and doesn't make any changes. I want to be changed. I want to obey. Obedience. Obedience is what he's calling us to do. Keep his commandments. Lord, we have these paths that are set set before us even here today. And if you're standing at a crossroads right now, we're going to come to a conclusion. And I just want us to close our eyes all around this place as we have our Sunday school classes that are making their way in. If you could just close your eyes and just speak to him just for a moment. If there's a commitment that maybe for the first time that you need to make today, there's an opportunity before you right now. Say, God, I'm going to commit my ways to you. And I don't, I don't know all what it's going to look like. And, and he understands that. He understands that, that you're going to start out as, as a baby. And, and there's some times where you're going to trip up and you're going to fall. But you're going to say, I'm going to stay committed. I'm not getting off the train. I'm not getting off the track. I'm, I'm going to stay on the path that's leading to life. I'm not going to follow after the path that's, that everybody else is going down. I'm not following after the popular path, the uncommitted path, the path that, that it, ha- it pleases my flesh. But instead, God, I'm going to follow after you. Follow your wisdom. Well, if that's you today and you just need to recommit yourself, would you recommit yourself? God, I commit to you today. To stay on the path. One. God I stay on the path. God I, I wanna, I'm going to stay on the path here this morning. I'm going to commit my ways to you. And everything that I do. Lord I am yours. I am completely. Sold out to you. God, that your wisdom. It is beyond any wisdom of man. God your wisdom. It goes beyond anything. God, that I could ever imagine, Lord, I will trust you and I will follow after you. I commit myself to you. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. If we have, do we have?